Ephesians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right, good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. It's great to be with you. As uh, I think has been said this morning, um, again, if you're new or if you're a, a new student or you've been gone throughout the summer, welcome. Uh, welcome back. Great to, great to be back out of here together. Also, if you're new, um, I just want to give you all a, a heads up. I have a speech impediment. It'll kind of come in and out as we go. Um, it's not my overwhelming excitement that U of A football is about to start, um, right? My shirt either. That's just a coincidence. Um, but no, anyway, uh, and those of you that are from other schools in Arizona, hey, it's okay. Um, <laughs> welcome. But um, we got a lot to get into here together um, this morning, so I'm going to um, get right into it. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, we've been in Ephesians for this whole year, and uh, we're walking through it. We have a couple months in it left, and um, yeah, we've, we've been walking through it and uh, just being shaped. We kind of stew a lot. We like to just get into books of the Bible and really uh, see how the Lord will inform and transform us through, uh, through the hearing of, of uh, his word. And so go ahead and turn with me there. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will get you one, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word to follow along with. Um, y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y, ti, y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 5, versículo uh, 27. No, 17. There it is. Some of you guys know. Um, I, uh, I can't always just memorize that phrase. I got to actually know, know it sometimes. But um, so again, if you don't own a copy of God's word, please keep this, okay? We want to make sure everyone has uh, the scriptures to, to own and uh, follow along with and, and to make their own. And so put your name in it, write questions, and uh, that's kind of what it's meant to be. We'll talk a bit more about that as we go. So before I pray and we get into our time in Ephesians um, Chapter 5, verse 17, not 27, for those of you who are following along there in Spanish. Um, I have something that I want to make us all aware of, okay? So if you heard Jenny earlier when she welcomed, she said, um, we're one church in multiple congregations throughout Arizona. And um, in around 2015, um, Redemption Church as a whole um, launched out, uh, actually a good friend of mine and some of us in here, um, uh, Sean Morrison, to plant Redemption South Scottsdale. Well, over the last year or so, or last, I don't know, eight or so months, we've been talking a lot together with Sean, and he um, made it known that, that uh, in order that kind of them and their conversation there as a congregation has been in order to more effectively reach uh, their demographic and their sur surrounding area and their context in South Scottsdale, that um, they've uh, hit a point where they think it would be uh, more helpful or better to no longer formally be a part of Redemption Church. And so... Um, 
don't try to read between the lines. There's still love, and we're still going to partner together. And um, it's just, again, that's kind of the way the conversation has gone. We will put out a, uh, a blog with some information more about that and even some um, fr frequently asked questions for those who, who uh, know more. My, my thought is probably a bunch of us here um, don't that doesn't really affect us in many ways. Um, but some of you may even remember, Sean actually came down here and preached uh, before they had gone out and launched. And um, so anyway, I wanna make sure we know that and encourage you to be um, praying for them as they make this uh, transition. But again, as of now, we're um, uh, fo formally um, still one church in multiple congregations, but Redemption Scottsdale is uh, kind of lung, lung launching out on their own. So again, if you have more questions, indicate it on a Connect card, come talk to me, shoot me an email, and um, we'll go from there, all right? Okay, so um, let's go ahead and pray together as we get into our, uh, into our time in Ephesians 5. Lord, we, uh, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for the reminder of um, uh, who you are, your goodness, Lord, for uh, week in and week out, we can come together and be shaped by, by you, by your good news, Lord, that we can be called to worship to remember who you are, Lord. We can pause indiv individually and communally and confess our sins together and then be reminded of the assurance of grace through the person and the finished work of Jesus. And then, Lord, we can uh, come together now and, and come under your word. Lord, that everyone in this room, I, I, I pray and trust, wherever we are in our relationship with you or what we think of you, um, Lord, that we, that we uh, can trust, uh, even kind of posture ourselves, that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. So, Lord, we, uh, we expect that you will, you will shape us and grow us in your image in, uh, in this time together. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's get right into it, Kay, as we um, keep marching along here as we're again in verse 17. I'm gonna just start right there. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we, we often say this, and it's important if you're new to Scripture or to any time you read God's Word or anything for that matter, but especially God's Word, when you come across a therefore, it's a good, good practice to, to be aware of what comes before and um, after, okay? Because that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a key thing to look out for. Therefore, it's saying something. Well, um, last week uh, we had a guest Preacher, great friend of mine um, from Corazon Ministries, Enrique Garcia, and, and if you recall, the big uh, the big idea was that was that because of the person and work of Jesus, um, through faith in Him, we are called children of light. So we must walk as children of light. Right, that's the big idea. And so now with that in mind, we get into where we are this week. But I'm going to read that again, but let's start in verse 15, just so we can get the, 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 the again, the big idea here as we, as we kind of launch into a, a new section in many ways of, of Ephesians. Okay, this is kind of the third, the third section. So um, look, uh, look with me there in verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, right? That's in verse 15. So now skip ahead there to verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the 
will of the Lord is. So that verse 15 and verse 17 are almost identical, right? In our language, in the English language, we, it, there are different words there used, so it doesn't look that way. But, but when it says, um, walk as, not as unwise, but as wise, and then, but understand the will of the Lord. Well, wisdom in scripture is knowing the will of the Lord. Okay, Proverbs, all throughout the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is called wisdom. It's called the book of of wisdom. And and it begins even in chapter one and chapter two of understanding this is wisdom to know God, to know his character, to know his will, to know who he is and, and, and what he's all about. And so now as we get into this section here, again, it's a it's a new section. Um, we need to uh, understand that the big idea is know God, know his will. And now we get into this whole last part is through the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God's Holy Spirit whom he has sent. That's how you can be wise. That's how you can know God's will. All right, on that note, a um, little improvising here. I'm Stephen looking at you back there. Do we have those little books? Did, we, did that get announced earlier? Um, just nod if you can, or someone. Do we have those little the, yes, we do. So um, if you didn't get it, don't all like rush out right now or whatever. But um, there are um, little study sc- sc- guides. Okay, If you've been with us throughout the whole time, um, true confession, I wasn't in here during some of the uh, announcement time. So I didn't know if that was announced or not. But um, this uh, is, now we're starting the third section. Okay, So there are three primary sections throughout Ephesians. And we've had these study guides that are just thick. And there's a lot in them, and they're very helpful. Well, now we're starting section three, so there's a new one that you can get. And so, um, again, after here, you can go and get one of those and pick it up. I, I think it's five bucks. But, um, again, I just would strongly encourage you to, to get that. Take note. It's very helpful. So that said, um, the big idea, the main point is not go get a book or whatever. Um, that's just at cost what we're, we're charging for them. The main point is we're starting a new section, okay? And as we're reading Ephesians, it's, it's this idea of, of now live this out through the Holy Spirit whom you've sent. And this is what it looks like to relate with, the, with one another as the people of God. And it's, de- it's dependent upon uh, being filled with his Holy Spirit. Okay, so as we, again, as we get into this, um, this morning, it's this. This is what we'll see this morning is, is be filled with the Holy Spirit because you belong to Jesus. Be wise, okay, knowing the will of God and be comforted and be strengthened through the Holy Spirit alone. And that's what we'll, what we'll see as we walk through this, this uh, section here together. So now with that in, in mind, right, now we've got the therefore kind of taken care of, right? Now we can kind of cruise into verse 18 together and see the, this, this point here of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now's the time that we just do a sermon only on alcohol. And, um, and that's how this, right, sometimes that's how we tend to go at these things, and that's not the point, all right? This, um, th- this is absolutely talking about alcohol, but it's not, like, just about alcohol, okay? Like in our day, um, in this time, in Ephesians, um, alcohol was kind of the most obvious way that people would escape to self-soothe, to find comfort, um, and also to be strengthened, right? To go apart from God and to look for, you know, 
courage and strength and things like that um, was, was to, was to, was to um, essentially walk in sinfulness, which is, which is, in short, not God. Okay, it's this. In the beginning, God created us that our purpose and our identity would be directly flowing from who we are in him, that we would have a relationship with him, that everything we do in life, that again, our, our wisdom, our understanding, our comfort, our source of strength, our identity and our purpose would all flow from God, from who we are in him. But then sin entered into the world. That's, again, you could kind of just in a nutshell is not God. Is no thanks God is my identity, my purpose, my source of comfort, my source of wisdom, my source of strength is apart from him. It's in other things. Okay, all kinds of other things. But first, let's acknowledge what the text says here. It says alcohol. It speaks of wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay, and so before we get into some other ways this could be fleshed out, some other examples of that, just think for a moment, right? If you've ever been around people who are drinking heavily, who are drunk, and um, you're like one of the few in the room that's not, um, then you've observed this, okay? If you're like, yeah, I've been around people, but I've been right there with them. I've been drunk and just right there with them, then you probably don't this, then you haven't observed what you could observe, all right? But if you're like one of the few sober people, you recognize there's like liquid courage, right? Some of you have heard that phrase before. Like you get this, you get kind of riled up. You think, okay, I can take on the world right now, right? You, you, you know, drank a little bit and you're like, I can now, I can go tackle the world, right? And it shows up and, and other people look at it and say, that's just foolish. Like that's not, that's not strong. That's not, that's not courageous. You know, hypothetically, of course, like, you know, a little high school, short high school student trying to fight like a 250-pound Samoan um, is not brave. It's just stupid. And someone who would do that, again, hypothetically, um, would need friends to protect him from himself. Um, right? Thank God. <laughs> I'm here with you today. Um, but in all honesty, like, and sometimes it's, it's a laughing matter, but if you've been around friends or people you love, or in my case, sadly, family members, it can be heartbreaking. You see the, 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 the foolishness on display of, again, walking apart from God, of, of seeking comfort and strength apart from him, specifically in alcohol. And, 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 and the same was true in this day as it is Today. Over 2,000 years ago, the same kind of thing, looking for strength and power in something that obviously when you wake up the next morning, you don't feel that, right? So you need more. Similarly, comfort. There's, there's a massive difference between um, the, the comfort that one tries to find in drinking alcohol or in drugs or whatever it is that's it's to numb, right? To, to just, I don't want to feel anymore. I want to numb this. I want to feel something, something differently. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comfort myself by, by you know, uh, getting drunk, by, by kind of taking the edge off. But, but I've, I don't think there's ever been a human who said that's, that's really worked out well. Like all my comfort, it's, I've got a great, a great solution for you. Just, you know, Jack Daniels, it'll take all your troubles away. It just doesn't work that way, right? It might for a moment, but, but then again, it, it, it's like a house of cards that inevitably always comes crashing down. There's a huge difference. Okay, hear me right now, because I don't want us to miss this. This isn't, you know, don't drink, 
This, the, the scriptures, I believe, don't give us that easy of an out. Like, oh, just put God in a box, it's easy, right? Don't drink and then you're good, then you can go on. But, but what, what it does do is it exposes every facet of life in saying, this is dangerous. And, and you, could, you could wander away from God and it will promise you things that it can and never will deliver. It will always fall short. It'll overpromise and underdeliver. And specifically in this, in this case with, um, with um, alcohol, as with other things, it, it, in fact, anything else I submit to us this morning that we try to find our comfort in, that we find a, try to find an alternative for courage, it, it, it makes us forget, right? The whole thing it promises is, is you can forget, right? Whatever's, whatever you're feeling, whatever's been done to you, whatever you've done, you can forget all that and just feel a little better for a moment. But in the long run, it just kind of drives you further and further down. But in contrast to that, the person and work of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, doesn't make us forget. In fact, what, what God does through Christ, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, is he, 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 he gently and lovingly and consistently like lifts our head to look straight on at the sin that we've committed, the sin that's been committed against us, to not forget it, but to now have it be informed or redeemed is the biblical word. As we look at the cross of Jesus and we, and we don't try to diminish sin, we don't say, well, that happened to me, um, but hey, it wasn't their fault. Or well, they were intoxicated. Or they had their own issues. They didn't mean to hurt me in that way. Or hey, I didn't mean to do that, you know, whatever. It was just, you know, let bygones be bygones, whatever. And we kind of diminish our sin, right? We try to forget. But instead, what the gospel does is, is, is through the, the Holy Spirit, God, God lets us look at our sin on the cross and say, it's evil. The sin that's been done to me is evil. The sin I've committed against others and against God is evil and is, is, is deserving judgment. And then he causes us to remember and to look at it and then to see it dealt with. And then to see it, to see it dissipate or, or, or find its proper place as covered, as dealt with through the life, death, and re- resurrection of Jesus. And so when, when the author here, Paul, says don't get drunk with wine, it's not like, hey, here's my little, you know, m- moralistic anecdote for you, like don't do this. No, he's seeing that anything, um, anything that is not God, anything where we would find our comfort and our security apart from God is destructive, is a thief of joy. We'll always under-promise, okay? We'll always over-promise and under-deliver. But instead, we look at the good news and we see there's healing, there's forgiveness, and, and we don't hide from, we don't have to turn away from, we don't have to hope. It, we never wake up from this numbing, but instead we come. And it doesn't mean it's all easy, but, but it means it's informed. It means that in the long run, there's, there's hope. And again, now before we just maybe think, well, I don't drink, I've never drunk, so I don't, I don't, this isn't talking to me. Again, this isn't less than, but, but much more. Okay, it's not just a sermon on alcoholism, but it's, it's, it's not less than that, but it's, it's much more. It's anything, it's, it's work, it's finances, it's family security, 
It's my identity that's found in my, my looks, in, in uh, whatever it might be, my, my, my intellect, right? We got some college students back here. My, my, my career that I am building right now, I'm going to break apart from, from this way of life. And man, I felt, I felt vulnerable and, um, and I felt um, discomfort and I felt powerless. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig down. I'm going to get this de- a high-powered degree and, and, and I'll be good. Maybe I'm not at all saying high-powered degrees or you know things are bad, but but if that's your source of hope, then you should be warned. And that's the kind of language that Paul uses here. Okay, I want to kind of keep the heat on because that's where Paul has it here. This word debauchery, right? We could read this: "Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery." And we think like. Hey, don't do dumb things and go, you know, moon traffic or whatever it is, you know, and that's debauchery, right? And we hear these things. Oh, and, you know, parents maybe that are here dropping off your kids and you think of debauchery and it's like, hey, don't be debaucherous. I don't know that any parents use that language, maybe. Um, but, but it's like, we just think of it as like dumb and crazy things that people do when they're drunk. But, but Paul's language and warning is, is much more significant than that. It's a, it's, a, it's a stark warning. Okay, the word debauchery is not drunken craziness. It's actually not saved, okay, in the Greek. It's the same word there used for saved, but then atta- attached on the front, there's this prefix that's not so debauchery that we could just read and just kind of blow past and be like, okay, so don't get drunk, don't do crazy things. No, again, whether it's alcoholism or anything else, there's this stark warning that's, listen, if your life is oriented around anything else, okay, we've talked about this a lot, but just if, if you're new here, you know, idol worship, idolatry is essentially orienting your life, finding your identity and your purpose around anything other than God, often good things. Again, like it's not just, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and alcohol, and whatever, and the things that most kind of Christians are comfortable with. It's, it's anything. Again, it could be family. It could be church. It could be the good works that I perform. Amen? All right? I mean, okay, we should all feel this weight here, this warning that if your life, if your source of wisdom, your source of comfort, your source of power comes from anything other than the person and work of Jesus and the life-giving, empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit whom he has sent, if that's not your, your source, then you should be warned. Okay, the, 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 the sense here is um, if you rely on anything else, um, you need to evaluate and ask the question, are you really saved? Are you really a Christian? Have you really given your life to Jesus? Is Jesus Savior and Lord of your life? Okay, because Jesus said, I send my Holy Spirit to, to fill you. And he's saying, if your life is oriented around anything else, it's debauchery. And you should be warned. Now, let's get into this a, a little bit more, right? Because you might be, okay, so what do I do? What do I do with that? Well, if you're a good English scholar, Student, unlike me, um, you see here, you notice that the, that the verb required here, it says, okay, don't do that, right? Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. So be warned. Okay, I, I'm warned. Now, now what? Well, 
be filled with the Spirit. It's a capital S, so we know it's the Holy Spirit he's talking about there. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I do that? Be filled is a, a passive verb, right? Like, what do I do? How do I be filled? Like, okay, everybody close your eyes, clench your fists, and grunt. No, that could get dangerous. Um, right? Like, what do I do? How do I be filled with the Holy Spirit right now? It, it's something that's done to us. And there's, there's a mystery involved here, but I want to walk through it here for a moment, okay? Because Paul is saying still very clearly, be warned, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's how it works, okay? On the front end, if you put your faith in Jesus, you surrender your life to him, that is, that is repentance, okay? That's, if you've heard this word, it's, it's I'm going this way again. It's, 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 it's not God. It's, we see in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, okay? So we're walking away from God. And then repentance, as we've seen throughout Ephesians, is, is God through the Holy Spirit breaking in, softening hardened hearts, opening closed eyes, um, unclogging closed ears, and, and now enabling us to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus and to see that, that we, he has come to save, to, to, to restore us to relationship with our creator, okay, to save, and then now also to, to, to lead us to his lordship in all of life, to living, again, where our identity, our purpose, our comfort, our strength, our source of wisdom flows from him. So the first action point is this. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Because if you haven't, then all else is futile. It's vanity to try to be good, to try to live this Christian life, to try to, you know, to do that. It, it makes no, it, it starts with a, a surrender, a surrender to Jesus, a, a transfer of trust, a recognition that he has done for you what you could never do on your own. He's forgiven you. He's accepted you. He's restored you. He turns you from hardness to softness on a heart level. He takes you from death to life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So be filled. Now hear me. If you put your faith in Jesus, uh, according to Scripture, clearly, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are now indwelt with the Holy Spirit as the language that's used. He, he pours out his spirit on you and, and now his spirit, the Holy Spirit, okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus and now through faith, you have the Holy Spirit fully if you have trusted Christ. If you're a Christian, if you're a biblical Christian, all right, you have the Holy Spirit. There's not more that you need. There's not like, we don't get louder here and, and then you get a little more of the Spirit, right? There's not like you have like three-fourths or a quarter or some aspect of the Spirit and then if you do some more stuff, you get more of the Spirit, all right? We don't believe that the Scriptures teach that. So, well, how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit then? Okay, again, the Greek here is, is using the language that is Keep on being filled with the Spirit. So how does that work? Okay, how does that work? How do you have the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus? And then some here might be like, well, I already have. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Now what do I do? What's my passive ver verb? Right? What's my action point? It's, it's, it's like this. Okay, your picture a sailboat. That was my cutter, okay? That wasn't like dramatic pause. Okay, picture a sailboat, and, um, 
And, and, and right, a sailboat relies on a power it can't produce in and of itself. Okay, but, but, but what, and I'm way out of my league here with sailboats, okay? We live in Arizona. There's no oceanfront property. But what a sailboat does, if you're driving a sailboat, right, is you position, you consistently put the sail in such a way that it is now positioned to be, to be driven, to be powered by a source of power it can't produce on its own. Okay, so there's not this like, now you do this much and then it'll take you this way. No, you could be sitting there, right? Like, need a little wind here, right? Like you're just sitting there, like you kind of throw up the sail and you're like, like you're, you're helpless without a source of power, the wind in this case, driving you, right? Empowering you. But, but the way you, the, the way that a passive verb in this case looks like is you intentionally, consistently put up the sail. You evaluate where the sail's facing. You evaluate if you've, you've taken off your eyes from, from the dependent relationship you have as a boat on the wind, right, driving you, you, it, it, you, you start to, whatever, you're kind of like, you know, trying to paddle with your hands or do something, you know, silly, and you're like, we're not really going anywhere. This isn't working. And then you acknowledge, oh, wow, that's right. I'm, I'm dependent on a power that I can't produce, Okay, that's what this looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, every illustration breaks down, but I think that's the best one, one of the best ones I've heard, um, right, of like, of this idea, right? You're dependent on something else. So what does this look like really, really practically? What does it look like to, to be dependent, to constantly, to be filled with the Spirit, to keep on being filled with the Spirit, to be consistent with what is written here in Ephesians? It means you evaluate. Just day in and day out is, am I relying on a comfort from something else? Is the sale, have I ignored my dependence on, on God's power through his spirit to bring comfort? Is that coming from some other source? When I think about power and position and, and strength and security, am I, am I depending on something else? Or, oh yeah, is the sale set up? Is it positioned to, to, to be driven and informed by the Holy Spirit that only he can provide. Very, very practically, God's word. Okay, again, you might be looking, well, how do I put up a sail? What does that look like? Again, hear me now, evaluate. We, we're, we can so easily just go through life and be like, oh, it's going like that. I was just talking to someone earlier this morning, right? We're talking about God's will, Right, like, oh, what, I don't know what I should do with this. I don't know who I should date. I don't know what I should study. I don't know what I should do. And sometimes we really sh- sh- struggle with that. And, 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 and then other times, like we talked about some last week, we just go. We just kind of put God on cruise control and we're like, okay, I got this sail set. Now I'm just gonna decide these things and figure these things out and not even kind of consider what he might be, how he might be directing me. But I know too, it can be really, really frustrating and so we also recognize, well, how does it look? What does it really practically look like? Get in God's word constantly. Okay, again, um, you, you see, like I said earlier, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Okay, you, you see elsewhere, um, it, it, you know, the, in, in the Psalms also just, um, you know, talking about the, 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 um, the, the God's word is an anchor, is a, is a rock, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a consistency there in God's word. 
Okay, and now hear me on this too, right? If wisdom is knowing God's will, it's not like God has a million, billion different wills and you gotta go on this search to find his, his little specific will for your life. Instead, lose yourself in God's clearly communicated will, his word, his character, who he is, his mission, what he's already doing. And then as we pour over that, again, through his spirit, we learn, oh, this is what my life could look like in the unique giftings. And, and then we have relationships where we get an external call or an external affirmation. Oh, and the way God has uniquely wired me, I really, really care about this little thing and like the vast majority of the world doesn't even know it exists or cares about it. Maybe God might use my interest and my gifting, my skill in that to, to further advance his will, his kingdom. That he's, that he's unfolding, that he's bringing about, he's bringing to fruition. Okay, there's all, and again, this is, but here, the big idea, big action point, if you walk away from here, like, well, what do I do with this? Consistently evaluate, consistently evaluate, where's my wisdom, source of comfort, source of hope, source of strength, where's that coming from? Is it coming from who I am, my identity and my purpose found in and through the person and work and lordship of Jesus? And then coupled with that, spend time in his word. Lay bare humbly before him every morning or every evening or in the middle of the night for some of you. Um, right? Just lay bare. God, this is a man. I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Right? And then c continually coming under his direction. And then now he gets really specific and starts talking about some things that could seem really kind of just out of, out of left field, right? He starts talking about singing. So what do we do? How do we sing? So sing to each other, all right? There it is. Um, okay, pick up with me in verse 19 because that is what he says. We need to understand this bit. Okay, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, right? Raise the sail before him. Be filled with his Spirit. Keep on being filled with his Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, now before um, I get into verses 19 and 20, which is where we're going to end, and, and we're going to talk really specifically about what it looks like to sing to one another and hymns and songs and, you know, things like that. Verse 21, um, we're going to get into next week, and then the week after that, and then the week after that. And um, it's, it's connected to where we are this week, too. Okay, just kind of little, little spoiler alert. The way that, that reads is, out of reverence for Christ... Submit to one another. And then again, that's like a foundational theme. As you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as you keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, all of life is lived out of reverence for Christ. Every relationship you have, every endeavor you undertake is informed by the reverence you have for Christ. Okay, so in the next couple weeks, we're going to start talking about marriage, 
right? We're going to start, you know, talking about things like that. We're going to start talking about wives relating to husbands and husbands relating to wives. And next week, we're going we're gonna to lay the foundation clearly that that is built upon verse 21. It's assuming all of life is lived out of reverence for Christ. And from there, you submit to one another. From there, wives submit to husbands. As a church, is called to submit to Christ. Husbands, out of reverence for Christ, give of yourselves. Die to yourself as Christ has died for his church out of reverence for him and all that you do. Again, you can see where if you, like, you, you stray like a degree from this, right? We, we assume, we presume upon the Holy Spirit and we leave that behind. We get into all kinds of mess, right? So that's where we're going to be diving in. But similarly, this week, the same idea. Out of reverence for Christ, submitting to one another. Sing hymns. Okay, verse 19 again. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything. So again, like alcohol, this is about singing, okay? But it's also not only about singing. All right, so first, just about the, the, the not only part, right? Um, what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's happening in your heart. Out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, we're told in Scripture. Okay, Jesus constantly is quoting, at that time, God's word is um, the Old Testament. Still God's word, but not yet fully completed, <laughs> God's word. Jesus constantly quotes the Old Testament. Testament, particularly the Psalms. He shapes whole environments by what comes out of his mouth, by, by, by uh, poetic musical language that, 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 that shapes people, that shapes relationships. Okay, and, and so, so now as we consider, well, what kind of environments do we create? What kind of language flows out of our mouths? And so now when it's, it is talking about singing, just like, let's be honest for a minute, right? Like, if you're not musical like me, I have a very musical family, so you might think I am, but I'm not, right? I'm the, like, scrub, I'm the chump of the family, right? They, they don't give me a mic, but everyone else is playing instruments, and, you know, I get the little egg or whatever that you get to shake. <laughs> but, um, but, 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 but music is shaping, Though I don't have a musical bone in my body, though I always misquote songs and lyrics and forget what song titles are and all these things, it, it, there's still, I still have such a value for, for music, right? You, you, I appreciate when I'm in a certain environment, whether it's a backyard barbecue or a, or a funeral or a wedding, right, or a, whatever it is, like music is, is shaping. It helps form the environment. Environment, even without our knowing, even subconsciously, how we relate with one another, what kind, of, what kind of conversation content we have, how we feel, different things are informed by, by music. Okay, and this is, all truth is God's truth, right? So music is not like, okay, there's this, you know, secular thing, that's most music, and then other stuff that's like a few words and is usually cheesy and with a couple of chords, well, that's God's, that's Christian music. Everything else belongs to other stuff. No, music is a gift from God. In the very early, early pages of Scripture, in fact, the first chapters of Genesis, the very beginning is written in Hebrew poetry. When we officiate a 
wedding, we usually point out that, that Adam, when he sees his bride, that, that God, that God um, gives her away. Okay, when he he's essentially presents the bride, Adam um, busts out in a poem, and it's, and it's likely a song. And there's, let me, um, let me read a quote here that I came across that helps us understand the significance of music. It, um, it comes out of this book, it's kind of a side, I cannot recommend enough. It's called The TechWise Family, um, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place. It's by Andy Crouch, and it is so good, all right? Young families among us, read this, right? Dr. Johansson, can I get an amen? We got a pediatrician who um, talks a lot about this, about the, the effects of technology on our brains and all these things, but it's incredibly good, okay? But there's also a chapter um, that talks about music, okay? So that's, okay, that's there. Um, um, that's some discipleship right there. As we're going, right? Read this. I encourage you, everybody. It's really helpful. But now I digress back to singing and hymns and whatnot. This is what he says. Singing may be the one human activity that most perfectly combines heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he goes on and says this, at the really crucial moments of greatest beauty and tragedy, only music that flows from the heart of the gospel is really enough. And, he, and then he goes on to explain in, in this book that there, he talks about times in contemporary culture where um, like after the tragic, the tragic events of 9-11, when, when, when people begun singing God Bless America, or he, he, he talks about even more profoundly when, when whole groups of people were led in singing Amazing Grace. And, 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 and he talks about how, the, again, the times of greatest celebration and um, tragedy only music that flows from the heart of the gospel is truly enough. And again, just think. So I, I want us to practically think here as a church, all right? We just had a time of corporate singing. And we think really hard. Stephen and the worship team lead intentionally through this. And it's not just, they try to think through how loud is it? What's the volume? And it's a constant you know, back and forth on that. But the point should not be entertainment or, or the professionals are up here doing their thing and others of us are like, well, I don't, like me, right? Like, I have a terrible voice. I don't really sing. I go out of key, whatever. But as we press into it more, as you think of this idea, again, um, what, what, what Paul's talking about here, whole environments, whole contexts, whole groups of people, whole communities, even whole cultures, being shaped by music, it's necessary that we are exposed to various expressions of music and singing. And that's something we're, we're seeking to grow in continually here as a church, to not get in such a narrow lane that we could just kind of always be comfortable and just kind of, you know, tune out or say, oh, I show up for the sermon or, um, you know, or, oh, I, I like this particular time of music or type of music, so when that's played, I show up or I engage, but otherwise I don't or whatever. Know that there's something profound about hearing your neighbor, all right, singing in or out of key, different volume, okay, relating with God on a vertical l l level and also relating with one another on a horizontal l level, being shaped by singing, engaging, again, mind, soul, heart, and body through singing. 
And you could think of all kinds of ways, again, that, that, that we need an influx of God's people helping to engage and shape culture through really, really good music. Right? I think of this personally, this might, some of you might not know this, but I love hip-hop. Um, and I kind of grew up with different expressions of hip-hop in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. And um, I remember the first Christian hip-hop. Some uh, old-timers here might be with me and remember TC Talk. It's like the first, okay, there you go. It's terrible, guys. <laughs> it's so bad, right? It's really bad music. It's bad at lyrics. It's, and again, I'm not even musical, and I just know that, but um, right? God loves rap music when that's a song title or a song. It's like that's just bad. But there's been some movements growing um, that, are, that I've been exposed to or heard about that are in so good. I, there's this one artist that um, I just love to listen to. His name is Show Baraka. And um, Show Baraka, there, I want to get it right. You know, didn't want to let this stutter take away um, from him. But he's, and he actually is broken away in some cases, even asked to break away from different kind of Christian music circles because of some of the, uh, some of the music content and ways he's gone about it. But I would affirm it that he is, he is thinking critically about, 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 again, seeking to have the gospel inform whole cultures through really good, well-written, well-thought-out, well-expressed music. And I just love it because he kind of combines all kinds of different genres and things, and it's, it's very good. And, um, but again, even thinking back to like Handel's Messiah or just different like things, that, different musical expressions that now I'm again way out of my league. My wife has told me about m- most of these you know, types of things. Um, I, could, I could tell you a little bit about Public Enemy, but I don't know much about Handel. But, um, but anyway, just the, 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 the genius that went into constructing some of this music is, is, is important. And that's connected to what we're, that's connected to, hear me now, that's connected to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, to living all of life all for Jesus is only possible by constantly, by keeping being filled with his Holy Spirit, by helping shape relationships, cultures, homes, environments, through singing, through music. As we, um, as we close, I want to just encourage you to think of, I want us to, to individually and communally think of, what kind of environments do I participate in? What do I contribute? Where do I seek comfort and wisdom? Where do I seek strength? Where do I seek to know God? And how does music play in to that? Um, uh, an image came to mind um, some uh, uh, a couple, I think two weeks ago, Japheth and Katie Paul um, just got married. And uh, yeah, you can give a little shout out. And it was, it was there, this, this moment happened that was beautiful. In many w- weddings, bride and groom take communion and, and, and often the, the officiant will kind of give a charge. Hey, think about where you stand in your relationship with God and what he has done and it's displayed through communion, broken bread, which represents Jesus' body broken for you and his, and his blood poured out, which we'll hear about in a mo- moment as we prepare to take communion together. Well, in the ceremony, as that was happening, um, a couple people, Matt and Sarah and some others who um, from our church here were up there playing music. 
And right away, even during the rehearsal, I knew because the, 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 the bride's dad just couldn't hold it. He kept singing along. And, and, and during the wedding, this worship service broke out. While the couple was taking communion, while their first act as husband and wife was, was engaging in taking communion, going before the person and work of Jesus and remembering who he is and what he's done for them. Um, everyone, and I forget even what, what song was it? This would be Sarah and Matt. Be Thou My Vision. Again, I never remember songs, um, especially Christian ones for some reason. But um, true confession. Be Thou My Vision. And just this, this uh, sanctuary that, that it was in just was full of, again, cultural, different family backgrounds. He's from India, and his whole family was here from India and was participating and singing. And I got um, um, emotional. I was shaped. I know that my relationship with, with everyone there was shaped. I know the whole environment. I know their marriage was informed and shaped by intentionally singing in such a way that God the Holy Spirit was clearly, uh, was, was, was clearly at work, was clearly shaping, was clearly informing. So again, let's consider, what would it look like to have every source of wisdom, comfort, power, strength, be informed by the person and work of Jesus through his Holy Spirit? Let's pray together. Again, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you shape us. Lord, we thank you for singing, for song. Um, Lord, I confess and, and, and pray that I can so easily tune out. I can find myself in different places. Um, Lord, I, I thank you for your grace. Lord, everyone here, as we, as we talked about earlier, debauchery and the warning there, I pray that we would evaluate. Lord, that those who need to evaluate and, and, and to come to a place where they've never put their faith in Jesus and say, yeah, I run to alcohol or anything else to find my identity, my purpose, my comfort, my strength, wisdom. Lord, I pray they would turn to faith in you. And Lord, I pray for those who have maybe um, assumed the position of the sale, Lord, that we would Keep being filled with your spirit, Lord. Keep surrendering to you. Keep pouring into your word. And even now as we respond, Lord, that through song, through communion, Lord, that we would uh, be shaped and sent as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.